putting the asthmatic in charismatic. You're listening to Canada's most listened to spiritual talk show. You may like to gamble, you might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Maybe a rock and roll addict dancing on the stage. Money does it your command, women in a cage. You may be a businessman or some high degree thief. They may call you doctor, or they may call you chief. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in. You are listening to the Drew Marshall Show. We're streaming live at drewmarshall.ca. And, uh, of course, we're blasting through the airwaves here in southern Ontario on uh, 1250 on your dial. 1250 on your FM dial. Good luck finding that. Well, a couple of fun guests coming up your way. Start off with this guy, Mr. Andy Kindler. You've seen him on The Late Show with David Letterman on Everybody Loves Raymond. Each summer at the Just for Last Festival in Montreal, he delivers the State of the Industry Address, but he is uh, probably best known for his mockery of uh, not only himself, but other comedians more deserving of his wrath. Andy and uh, myself first met when we shared the stage at the Vancouver Comedy Fest. Uh, it's been five years since uh, his last vi- visit with us. So it's time to find out what's going on in Andy Kindler's mind during our April Fool's Day special. It seems that Andy would like to share some thoughts with uh, on the various promulgators of new atheism, like Bill Maher and Ricky Gervais and the like. Joining Andy is a gentleman by the name of Greg Fitzsimmons. Of course, Greg is a stand-up comedian, television writer-producer, regular guest on the Howard Stern Show, uh, Chelsea Lately, Adam Carolla Show, Joe Rogan Experience... Basically, he, uh, he'll take any job he can get, any work he can get. In 2011, uh, he came out with his book, Dear Mrs. Fitzsimmons, and apparently it received critical praise from NPR and Vanity Fair. I know there's a joke there somewhere. Since 2006, Greg has hosted a radio show on Howard Stern Series XM channel and his own twice-weekly podcast, Fitzdog Radio. He's a regular on Letterman, Conan, Kimmel. By the way, why is his bio longer than Andy Kindler's? Folks, joining us on the show today are both the gentlemen, Mr. Andy Kindler and Mr. Greg Fitzsimmons. Greg, let's just make sure you're alive and well. How are you, Greg? Well, I'm feeling a little competitive with Andy right now. I mean, I know that my my intro is longer, but that was, I think, just due to the fact that I wrote a longer intro. <laughs> and well done in third person, of course, as uh, as, as they're known to do. Mr. Kindler, I can hear you giggling away already there. Uh, thank you for joining us again. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I mean, yeah, I could have a longer resume if uh, half my credits were fake, too. When was the last time you two nutjobs uh, spoke with each other, visited with each other even? Uh, Greg um, and I see each other probably more than uh, I see my wife and his wife. That's uncomfortable. So that, didn't, that didn't sound right. No. <laughs> Here's something that is going to be hard to physically picture, but Andy and I were on the beach together about a week ago. Ooh, wow. You know, guys, let me just say that two thongs still don't make it right, man. 
Well, that look, I'm all for wordplay, but I'll just say that we were two fish out of water. <laughs> Looks like two Jews, an Irishman and a Jew at the beach. There's nothing could look more out of place. He blends in with the sand. And I'm like saying, it's chilly. Right, right. Yeah, it's chilly out here. He just instinctively started to wander on the sand. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we've been the wandering Jews. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Andy, I was just sharing with our listeners, you and I first met, uh, gee, man, six years ago, I think, at Vancouver Comedy Fest, and uh, we both kind of did a did a thing out there on the stage, talking with a few other folks about religion, and I don't even remember what it was all about. I just remember that the residual effect was having an appreciation for you, so uh, it's good to have you back on the show. It's been five years since you've been on our show. Have you learned anything in those five years, Mr. Kindler? I've learned that... Um Aging is it's not they're, they're not kidding around with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> this it seems to be speeding up. It doesn't seem to be reversing itself. But I absolutely do remember that event. It was really really fun. We actually we actually bonded, which is hard to do for humans and especially for males. It can get awkward sometimes. For spiritual and for spiritual, uh, uh, what what do you call us? <laughs> spiritual explorers. Spiritual pawns. How about yeah, that? Spiritual explo- I think explorers. Okay, all right. Uh, let me get this right. Uh, Andy, you're about, I don't want to give things away here, but you're about 57. Is that about right? Yeah, don't give it away, but um, I, not, I give it away. My wife says, why don't you tell, why don't you choose one person not to tell your age to? Why don't you start there? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be in a restaurant. I'll have the fettuccine primavera. I'm 57. Did I mention that? Can I get the special? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and well, I had an recently that, like, um, as you get older, you become less ageist. Like when I was younger, I, it was very easy for me to dislike old people or just marginalize them completely. And I realized something like you're better off being racist or homophobic because as you get older, I'm not getting any gayer or blacker. <laughs> <laughs> That is beautiful. That's 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 an epitaph right there. That was yeah. That was gold. Greg, you're you're roughly my age, I think. Are you not forty seven? I'm forty seven years old, correct. All right. I wanted to get the age thing out of the way, uh, because I'm just wondering if I mean you guys seem to have a kind of a similar bent on this God stuff and this religion stuff and this faith stuff. And you know, you're ten years different. You know, I wonder if that makes any any difference in your points of view. You were both kind of were you not raised in the same area? I was raised in Queens, New York, and I was raised as a reform. Well, I'm from definitely from a different generation than uh, Greg, but yeah. I felt lucky in the fact in the fact that I was influenced by the the '60s. So in the '60s, you know, uh, I kind of got at an early age that you dropped acid, you did all these things like dancing, you wrote songs, you did music. And you got high from it, even before I did any experimenting with it. So it was natural to me to have spirituality, even though I rejected organized religion. But I think in Greg's generation, it's even more unusual, because his generation hates the hippies in yeah. the 60s. Yeah, exactly. Would you agree with that, Greg? Well, actually, no. I oh. grew up, I had long hair, and I wore tie-dyed shirts, and I listened to the dead. And I, I would say, like, I don't listen to any music that wasn't made between 1965 and 1973. I was very much like, uh, our, my friends were just a, a throwback to that time, but I think my biggest influence was more that I was raised so devoutly Irish Catholic, Bronx Irish Catholic, that I got to an age where I started to react against the religion um, uh, in terms of like, 
I think bumping up against some of the historical stuff that I felt like didn't jibe, but yet the foundation was there and my connection to God was there. And that's, that's probably only grown stronger or, or it was always strong. I think I've, I've maintained a strong relationship to the sense of, of God. So uh, with both of you and uh, maybe Greg, will ask you this first, who, who has had the most spiritual impact on you uh, your entire life? Would it be your, for example, your Guatemalan cleaning lady? I mean, what, who, would it, who would it be? I guess music, you know, like Van Morrison. You know, I feel like there's certain artists when I listen to, and he's and he writes a lot about the mystic. And I think that his, uh, I think as a, as an Irishman, he's he has this sense of of you know um, a respect and a wonder and an awe of the unknown. Whereas, whereas I think with the atheists, there seems to be this um, entitlement that they can own the unknown and that they can access it as opposed to stand on the edge of it and, and respect it. Yeah, we're learning things. Um, it's exciting that science is peeling back more layers, but that in the end, they were getting no closer to, um, you know, the, whoever created it all and keeps it all going. I was kind of hoping you'd pick up on the Guatemalan cleaning lady bit and <laughs> segue. He asked you to lead him into that. That's what I'm surprised about. And- <laughs> And segue into a Stephen Baldwin conversation, because that's who led him to the Lord Jesus Christ, you see. <laughs> anyway, now, as far as you're concerned, Andy, I mean, I, I know you uh, you kind of grew up, both parents were sort of agnostic-y, and, and yet your mom uh, has become a born-again Quaker. Well, yeah, I mean, she wouldn't call it that. No. I mean, he, I grew up uh, Jewish, so in a lot of cases that means you're an atheist, or at least agnostic. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways, oh, you know, it's a, cl- a cliche to say that you rebel against what you knew, but my father was like, actually he's a softened more now because he, he really w- has always been an agnostic, but it seemed like uh, much more atheist to me at the time, you know, and so, and he was very much against, like, you know, when I was 14 or 15, I was interested in everything, the occult, hypnotism, you know, everything, and he was like, at one point frightened, even though I was just dabbling in it, like I was collecting stamps, you know, he was nervous of what would happen, but my mom is actually a really amazing story that did change my life because when I was 16 or 17, she just had, oh, well, first of all, she did grow up as the only Jewish person like in Mamaroneck, New York, and there is like a thing that, uh, you know, Jewish people are anti-Semitic because you feel separate, and I used to have a joke like, uh, they say, how can a Jew be anti-Semitic? I say, well, come to the temple where I uh, went as a kid. Make your own decision. You know? <laughs> right. So she, she found, she had a very strong connection with with whatever she calls Jesus. She's, and she has tons of doubt about what happened, but she related to Jesus as an, as, as an inspiration in a very personal way. And what they do is they go, they meet every Sunday in, she, in the Flushing Quaker Meeting House, which is like the oldest meeting house, I think, in the country. And, she meet, and it's called Meaningful Worship. You can say things, you can sit in silence. There's no dogma. You don't have to be Christian. You don't have to believe in God. And it's like, it's just a wonderful, and it's always great online when uh, atheists tell me how terrible it is. And then uh, they, can't, they're, they are stunned by the fact that anybody's religion isn't making them uh, a, a terrible person who's going to be a terrorist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, it sounds like one of you is doing the dishes. Oh, I'm, I'm uh, pouring coffee. Sorry, I'm pouring coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to stay awake. <laughs> wow. Drinking a coffee I'm not like saying the interview is going badly, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Adderall, 
and this is my second what? cup of coffee. Adderall. <laughs> All right. Here's uh, here's the email that started this whole thing. Andy, do you mind? If I didn't ask you. If, you know, no, is it, please. No, okay. go ahead. So well, uh, don't talk about the sexual things. No, I'll towards you. Right. I'll leave the rash out of the conversation. So Andy said in this email to me, "Look, my main problem with the new atheists is like the GOP." They use arguments as pretext to make broad generalizations and engage in what I think is hate speech. I realized the Bible wasn't literal when I was a kid. All reasonable people should reject fundamentalism, but that doesn't mean that all religion is bad and dangerous. Assuming everybody bases their spirituality on a literal interpretation of the Bible. By the way, Greg, I hope you're paying attention because I want your response on this. Assuming everybody bases their spirituality on a literal interpretation of the Bible is a false premise. Sam Harris justifies his hate of Muslims by pointing to passages from the Quran as proof of evil. Uh, they are serving no useful purpose doing this. Osama bin Laden distorted religion to manipulate his followers. This is political, not religious. Commentary on that by Greg Fitzsimmons. Greg? Well, I think that any, you know, religion as politics is obviously where, where you get into trouble, you know, and, and again, going back to the Irish thing, um, I don't always look at what happened between England and Ireland as a, as a religious war. I think that that's, that's all spin. You know, it was a war about real estate, and it was a war about colonialism. And I think that, you know, to try to invoke religion when you're talking about killing killing other people is obviously a false premise right out of the gate. So, um, you know, and I think I have probably a harder time with religion than Andy does. I mean, to me, it really is much more of... Um, uh, it's less of a theism and probably more of, of like, um, you know, um, I guess what you'd call more of an agnosticism, where, wait, agnosticism means you believe in a power as opposed to atheism, correct? Well, agnosticism is, uh, who knows, maybe yes, maybe no. That's what I guess. No, you no that's know. not me. That's not me. There's so many different terms. I know I read one of those... Uh, Hawkins books, where he outlines exactly what you can yeah. label. You know, I, I there's no. I think it's a blurred line for me. I mean, I think that my my Catholicism is is very much a part of me, and I think that the I think that the the story, the narrative of Jesus and and uh, and and even the Holy Spirit, that stuff is still stuff that is in my hard drive that mm. that that works for me. But when you talk about you know, as a, as once it's a collective and once it's a a, a political. Um, uh, you know, once it's used as politics, then, then obviously it's not what the intention was. Andy, any take on that? No, I think it's true. It's just, if I didn't hate the, if, if these atheists weren't weren't causing so, all all Islam, all the world needs right now is more hate against Islam. That's I'm being sarcastic. It's like, you know, even those things, those cartoons where they point out, you know, some of these people made these cartoons. A lot of those people making those cartoons were doing it purposefully. Not, I'm not saying every one of them, but some of them may purpose, purposefully or purposely to, to stir up people. So it's like if, if there wasn't all this kind of like making people hate minorities even more, I would be totally more focused on the ridiculous you know, Christian fundamentalism of the GOP and all this kind of stuff. Hmm. But I kind of always think that that stuff is, is not really about that anyway. They're just – they use – look at how uh, immoral and unethical all of these right-wing Republicans are, and yet they always point to the Bible. They're not, they're not 
men of God. Right, right, <laughs> they're, right. They're using it just to. It's all about power. They want to. They want to control people. And I doubt Jimmy Swagger believes it. You know, maybe Billy Graham believed it. I don't know. I doubt that many of those people. I know uh, Greg, Rob, uh, Greg Fitzsimmons is a big Pat Robertson fan. Oh yeah. But look, what can you do? No, that's. That's a shocking. Well, he, to me, it's like he's just got a great delivery, and his his late show Friday, I'll put up against anybody. And his name, seven hundred. How can you go wrong? <laughs> okay, that's a high number. Jeez. Andy Kindler and uh, Greg Fitzsimmons running things here on the Drew Marshall show. Uh, here is the second part of Andy Kindler's email to Drew Marshall. Uh, Drew, the last time we were together, I found your skin supple and smooth. <laughs> no, he's true. He's, God. You know, he said uh, Dawkins, Harris, Bill Maher, etc., are all xenophobic. You don't hear them slam Jews. They hate all religion, but they all single out Islam as being the worst. They provide no historical context, like remembering there was an Inquisition. Not sure if you've seen a lot of angry atheist Twitter accounts. They put anti-Islam in their Twitter bio <laughs> and viciously attack anyone who expresses anything even vaguely spiritual. When there is already so much anti-Muslim prejudice in the world, why inflame it? So, again, that's kind of kind of what you're talking about here. Who in your two brains, and maybe Greg will go with you on this one uh, to start off, in the world of entertainment is, is uh, sort of the most caustic anti-theist? Well, you got Garofalo's up there, you know. Um, she, she takes a pretty firm stance on it. And, you know, I, I really like Janine because, you know, I think she's one of the few people that really uh, talked about the uh, um, invading Iraq at the time, and and you know you look back and you go, oh my God, she was right about all of it, and she was completely attacked by everybody for for you know her views. So, but when it comes to religion, um, and, and to me, it's like I really do draw a line between religion and spirituality. Like I, I think that um, for me, it's it's more of of a, of a search for understanding in, in our relationship to the universe, and and my. My belief that there is a you know an entity that's that that is creating and controlling things, but I think with her it's like people that attack religion, you know, I think you can do that uh, on certain grounds depending on on who's using the religion. I, I think you can attack that, but yeah. I think she goes even deeper. And I think what Andy was saying before is like any any hint of you having spirituality, they have to go after, and that's just absurd to me. That that. That's a lot of times, you know, like for her, I think she was raised very Catholic, and so it's a reaction to that. And a Andy and I had a, a discussion on stage. I did a live podcast in Austin, and it was Andy and I on one side and sort of Ari Shafir and Janine Garofalo on the other, and that, them being the atheists. And I realized later the reason why they were so passionately against any beliefs we had is that he was raised Orthodox Jew and she was raised a hardcore Catholic, and that a lot of times this kind of... This, this, you know, uh, desire to convert people to atheism, it comes from their own um, rejection of where they came from. Yeah. Yeah. Andy, any take on that one? Well, the thing about it, too, is that, uh, you know, when you talk about religion, it's like any of these words can be used as a wedge issue. To me, it's like when you get into semantics of things, so it's like, of course I don't like most organized religions. I don't go to temple. You know, it's like, I'm not like uh, advocating, well, Jews don't usually proselytize anyway, yeah. but uh, well, of course we're better. But uh, <laughs> in terms of, in terms of, uh, in terms of like, what I'm saying is, this, it's like when I watch that, uh, this is a side note, but that Neil DeGra DeGrasse Tyson, what's his name? 
the Gra- I, the Gra- Tyson. Tyson. Cosmos? Yeah. I'm not saying he's a bad or whatever, but this whole thing about like where people are like, you got to watch Cosmos because this is the real deal, all right? Let's, right. Uh, you've tried the rest. It's like me saying, why aren't people watching more comedy? It's so important. And my thing is like, there's a whole other side to the universe that's art, that's uh, music, that's dance, and they don't all, and I, of course you get, you get in trouble when you make these kind of arguments because you can't really make an exact argument this way, but like, even people like Einstein who said, you know, he said he didn't come by some of what, uh, of what he uh, you know, came up with by his rational mind. All that means is it's the concept of no mind, which you have in martial arts and in many things. Like, no, you, it's not like you can just think of something and come up with something. But when, if you're prepared in a field and you have all the training and the expertise and the technique, which is true for music or a lot of different things, you can enter this other area. And all I'm saying is there is this other area of life, whatever you want to call it, Getting high, Nirvana, Sartori, the Dow, whatever you want to call it, it's it feels real to me, and that doesn't mean it's real because I'm telling you it's there no matter what. Now I have doubt. Of course, I have doubt about everything, but to just you know denigrate that, and that's what they yeah. end up doing. You can't say spirituality. You can't say God. You can To me, God was always a word that never identified a thing and identified a fact that you like Yahweh means I am that I am. You can't even say what it is. But they, they don't want to allow any of that. They want. They, they think if you they think like Einstein was came up with by the guy who memorized the most facts. You know, yeah. it's just it's just weird to me. Okay, you're dropping Einstein quotes. I'd like to drop a quote here from another brilliant man. Uh, listen to this quote: Religion is to spirituality what astrology is to astronomy, and what curling is to the olympics brilliant <laughs> brilliant stuff yeah ladies and gentlemen the that's from the the the, the wise crevasses of greg fitzsimmons uh, yeah, I, I, really, I don't like my tweets repeated back out loud it's not how they're meant I'm so, I'm so sorry that about that. That is very good. Um, you know, I mean, Andy, you and I have had a couple of chats about this, and I, I've said this many times on my show. I, I really think that religion is something that gets in, you know, man-made right ways to get to God is something that screws up getting God stuff right. That's how I feel about religion. I hope there's a God. I'm certainly, uh, I'm no longer in the certainty camp the way I used to be. I mean, I used to be an evangelical pastor. <laughs> right. I, I just, I, I just found that unbelievable. Ooh, check please. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think the bottom line is like, you know, I have a, I have a God and I, I'm not looking for any company. He's my God. Like I, he's a, there, there's a, there's an unspeakable um, relationship that's sort of something that I close my eyes and, and, and is there and it's a voice and yeah, but isn't isn't there a narcissism? Isn't there a narcissism in that, Greg? Like, isn't there sort of the, you know, whatever I want, whatever I feel, whatever I think? You know, we're all a product of this culture today, and this narcissistic belief that whatever I feel is right. You know, we we then jump into that conversation, the you know, moral relativity, absolute truth. I mean, is is there? I mean, you know, because someone's going to sort of say back to you, uh, Greg. Well, what if you're wrong, right? I mean, that's the ultimate knee jerk reaction to this is my God. This is what I think about God. This is it, and no one can tell me any different. And the pushback is, well, what if you're wrong, Greg? Well, because I don't think there's a wrong. I, I, I believe in moral relativism. I believe that we all live in our own moral universe, and I think that you you have a right to come up with your own God, and you come up with some rules with that guy, but then you got to live by them. I mean, it doesn't, it's not, it's, it's not a fluid thing. I mean, from a very young age, I've had a sense of what what I believe is right and wrong, and that stays 
pretty much consistent throughout my life. I don't, you know, I've, I've changed stances on things, but that's, that's, that's not the norm. So I, I believe that, you know, that the idea that there needs to be an overriding set of laws in the spiritual realm that controls whether, what your moral behavior is, that's just following. I mean, anybody can follow a set of rules that were written 2,000 years ago, but I think to have a truly ethical life, I think you have to have some input and decide what for you is the highest level of behavior you can attain, and then to struggle to, to hold yourself. To yeah, that. at the risk of sounding like Ray Comfort or his buddy Kirk Cameron, again, I, I man, I just have this resounding, echoing pushback in my head that says that sort of smug evangelical response. Unfortunately, that's where I heard it from first, but I guess there's the, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I think there's a bit of common sense in this is, well, what about the person X whose truth is X, but their truth is so destructive and disgusting that it can't be truth. Well, because you're well, not going to control that guy anyway. There's no, there's no Bible or preacher that's going to stop somebody from doing. No, know, but really but what I'm saying, what, what I'm saying is is for ourselves determining what our own truth is. Is there not a danger in that? I, I think it, just the opposite. I right. think that you know, it's it's really comes down to like if you look at the laws of your country versus the laws of your religion. Like, if I was a true Catholic, you know, following the, the you know, the every, every tenet of the Bible and what I hear in church, and I believe that abortion is murder, well, then the laws of my country are being, are, are going against the laws of my religion. And I, if, if I believe that my religion is paramount, which it should be, and according to God it is, then I should be at that abortion clinic, and I should be you know, tackling doctors and doing using any means possible, breaking the laws of my country to uphold the laws of my religion. Right, right, right. I mean, where, where do you, where do you, you know, where, what do you, what's your um, your order of priorities? Um, okay, hold on. Let me let me just bring people up to speed here in case they've just tuned in. We're on the phone with uh, Andy Kindler, who's funny, and Greg Fitzsimmons, who is funnier. <laughs> And they are they're they're friends with each other, and they've they've had these sorts of talks before. And uh, we just thought it'd be fun to kind of bring them back on the show. Last time I had Andy on, we sort of went round the horn on this on this stuff as well. And we reached out to Bill Mars people uh, to see if we could get him on the show today. And we found out, lo and behold, that Bill Mars is not a nice human being. Apparently, um, we also reached... I learned that every Friday night. <laughs> we re- sorry. Go ahead, Andy. No, I was just gonna say, you know, I hate to break in, but that's 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 what I do. No, uh, <laughs> the thing is, what Greg's talking about, I actually think I believe in a more, uh, not a more profound level than him, but I think he is actually saying something very profound because, you know, Muhammad, you know, I choose to when I read like Karen Anderson, who we've talked about also, Drew, and the other people's like. Muhammad was saying, the, the God of your God, the God that I'm seeing is the God that you're seeing, is the God that this religion is seeing. And what that means is that you're filtering whatever that sense is of the other side or the, 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 your higher power is filtered through your culture. So to me, the fact that Greg hears this voice and feels it, I think that's absolutely how you should conceive of God, because my, my mother relates to Jesus as a person. You know, Lenny Bruce used to make a, a joke about how it was hard growing up Jew, was Jewish because you didn't have a specific person to relate to, so it was hard to get just generally spiritual. Hmm. So I think the fact that you see God, you're filtering it as a consciousness, it's more than a consciousness, but that's how you sense it. And I think the way it goes too far, it's like that joke, I don't know who the community did it, but it was just like, you know, David Berkowitz, 
killed because he said uh, his dog told him to do it. Well, uh, uh, at that point, you have to say bad dog. <laughs> I don't know who the comedian is that did that. But so it's like, yeah, that was- Greg's voices say, you should sleep with your neighbor, Greg. That might not be, that might be the devil coming in. Yeah, yeah, or Pat Robertson. Okay, guys, let me ask you sort of the... Uh- uh, there was an old show up here called Tiny Talent Time, and you know they would sort of have this this great question. They would, you know, this deep, heavy question they would ask six year old kids or whatever. And you know, you get some kids say the darnest things. So here's the big <laughs> the big question: uh, What makes for a happy life, and does finding out the truth give you a better life? Greg, uh, that's a really interesting question. I, I, I think about people living lives like there's there's sort of three, and I hate when people quantify anything, but it, it, just in round terms, I think about people living either um, a successful life, which means going to college, getting a master's, w- taking your boss out to dinner, um, going to couples counseling, uh, you know, finding out on Netflix what, which movies are the best to watch. Like having a life that's geared towards success. And then you have like a hedonistic, hedonistic life, which isn't necessarily bad, where people say, Here's what I enjoy, and so that's what I do. And then you have people that are trying to find the truth, which is, in general, a miserable way to live life. Because, you know, they're, they're, you question everything, and I think it's probably, that's maybe the closest that I do, is I, I really do, and I think as a comedian, you sort of like, I see that as the role of a comedian. It's like, how can you be as truthful as possible? How can you go on stage and, and not be ashamed of revealing your most, you know, inner thoughts and things you may be embarrassed about yourself and, and stripping away things that might make you feel comfortable in life when you realize that they're, you know, that they're not truthful. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's a hard path to take, but unfortunately it's, it's kind of the one I'm on. Okay, this is going to sound like I wasn't listening because I'm about to throw to Andy right away instead of making a comment on what you just said, but I was listening. But Andy, you know, what makes for a happy life and does finding out the truth give you a better life? Same question. I think it's a. I think it really is whatever works for you. Because like, uh, I was at a party and I was talking to the uh, the great Canadian and uh, world comedian Dave Foley. And Dave Foley was like saying, "Look, I'm an atheist. I just don't believe there's a God. But I don't care what other people believe. Because the thing is, is like, you can be a great artist. You can be a great anything. And you may not need to have a higher power or a uh, something that you connect to. And to me." If you're not worried about it, but if if you're walking around saying uh, like I don't believe in God, but what other people b- believe is bad, and all this kind of, but he doesn't care. It's just not something he's doing. What he's doing, it doesn't occur occur to him. But I feel like on the other side, when I hear like Magic Johnson talk and people, you know, like Magic Johnson talks about his faith in God and how it got him through uh, having AIDS, I feel like it's almost like he's doing a walking meditation. You know, it's like one of the reasons why Magic Johnson is like one of the greatest uh, basketball players in the world. It's not just because because he has faith, but because he's able to have this, whatever, no mind, single mindedness of this is where my head's at. And you can come across and go, well, that might not be ultimately the whole thing that the universe is about, but it, wor- it works for them, and it's not something that's hurting somebody or wrong. In fact, I believe it's tapping into whatever that great unknown no mind is. And however you get into that is great, or if it's someone like Dave Foley who who is that when he's doing comedy but doesn't have to have that as a model I think that's great too yeah. so I'm a great human being as I guess the is the summarizing statement ladies and gentlemen yeah. Andy Kindler yeah, yeah I'm a humanitarian uh, time to I hate and rage <laughs> almost time to bust out the Morgan David here <laughs> 
say Morgan David? Yeah, that's a, that's the that's the Upper East Side. It's Morgan David. Well, yeah, but if you say it like you know Canadians, so I love it. I love it. That's the Morgan David. That's exactly right, uh, Greg. Uh, what I'm trying to say here is, we only told you that we we're going to be here, you know, a certain time on the phone, and I'm mindful of the time. But this is, I'm just stupidly enjoying this. Do you have to bail, or can you handle another few minutes? My daughter has a, a volleyball game. Uh, I can. Where? Well, I got about five minutes. Five minutes. Run. Okay, that's good. Um, what did you have to talk? Did you have to say that into a walkie-talkie, Greg? Yeah. Where Where did you go during that? That was. <laughs> I was looking at the time on my phone. You guys are really, really attentive. I mean, I make a cup of coffee and it becomes a whole intermission. <laughs> I'm walking uh, off of a lav mic, Greg. Yeah. I have a lav mic, and I doubled my voice, and I'm going through a mixer. Uh, oh, Andy, you're a little gassy today. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I can just listen That's to him. That's so Jewish. So, you're a little gassy today. <laughs> oh. All right, guys, there seems to be this... Uh, I'm not going to wor- word this right, but there seems to be a fear to be a fundamentalist about anything is being a fundamentalist about anything wrong if you are a if you are fundamentalist about comedy is it wrong if you sort of hold to truths and absolute truths and dogma about anything whether it's you know something mundane or something spirit i mean is is it wrong well that's a that's an interesting question for andy because um I think Andy is as accepting as he is, like, you know, and just talking about, you know, the, the spectrum of beliefs that people can have, like Dave Foley or Magic Johnson. But at the same time, Andy, you have to admit, I think you do hold comedy up to a certain fundamentalism. That's a good point. I think that's not bad. It's like, I guess it's depending on how you use the word. You could even use the word as an orthodoxy to yeah, yeah, yeah. how I approach it or a set of, but it's also, isn't it more just like a set, a, a code of ethics? or something? I don't know what the word would be. Yeah, because I, I just find that in this day and age, you know, the byproduct of being a North American, somebody who's, uh, you know, with it with the times, especially in Canada, guys, you don't want to be jumping up and down and getting excited about anything but hockey. That's it. Right. 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 And yeah. if you're if you're sold out for anything, people yeah. look at you yeah. sideways. And I find that really, really the case in L.A. unless it's Kabbalah. Yeah, well, hockey though. I mean, that's a problem. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to uh, uh, get the, the, the nation of Canada. Yeah, I'm messing you up, boy. Well, yeah. hockey you shouldn't believe in because it's a hoax. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it's like the 9/11 truthers. You really believe it's not fixed? <laughs> right. There's no puck. There, there is no puck. No yeah, it's very matrix How of did you. Toronto lose so poorly. Oh. Come on, that wasn't a mistake last you, year. You are hijacking this conversation. You. But to get back to it, I think that I think that it like it's what I said earlier. I think that if you accept another set of beliefs as yours, and you you even if you don't proselytize it, but if you if you behave in a way that is here is the right way to behave. I just don't know that that's a moral life. I, I feel like that's then you're you're exercising your ability to conform, and I just think at the end of your life, I don't know that that amounts to anything. I okay, think that's true. Like I could never say, you know, like for example, even me, who's judgmental, I will judge. Uh, I will judge anybody. And I, you know, I you were on last comic standing, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I could do a thing like judge what that person's look meant in one second. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think it's like if you uh, are 
you know, but even me, I'm willing to admit there's a prop comic could be fu- who could be funny. There's a magician who, who could be – well, there are great magicians. But I don't ever make it – I think you have to have any bend in any rule or any orthodoxy or any thing that you would call fundamental. I think Greg believes in basketball fundamentals because that's what he teaches the kids when he coaches them. Right, 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 right. Um, I thought that was a joke. Hello, no, anyone? Hello? No. No, it's a bad connection. Hello, is this thing? No, I think, is this is my I comedy Goldstein, off? I put Goldstein on the bench for having a ham sandwich in the second quarter last week. <laughs> By the way, when are we going to have the Jewish Sports Hall of Fame? When is that going to happen? We already have it. It's one room at the Y. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, man, well, obviously, we could uh, rattle on a bit quite easily with these two gentlemen. Uh, guys, uh, thank you very, very much. Andy Kindler, second time on the Drew Marshall Show, and the one and only Greg Fitzsimmons, uh, last time on the Drew Marshall Show. Sirius hey, XM. wait a minute. Sirius XM Howard 101. <laughs> That went past me fast, too. <laughs> uh, com. Uh, uh, you know, that's where you go for, for all, all things Greg Fitzsimmons. By the way, are you selling anything? Are you coming to Toronto? Do you have keychains? Like, is there anything we can well, help I, you with? I, 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 God, I'd love to come to Toronto. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. The Shoe Museum is, is one of the great museums in the world, and I'm not kidding. It's three stories of shoes in a museum. And that's where you inevitably will find your soul. Right. Anybody? Um, I do want to promote Netflix. I don't know if you guys have Netflix Seriously. or American programming, but I have a I have a one hour special on there called Life on Stage. All right, we will look that up. Uh, Andy, anything you want to sell? Well, I'm doing a one man show. It's called It's a Really Big Shoe, and it's all about me at my trip to the Shoe Museum. Where <laughs> <laughs> you found. So, you could come up with your own. Marin, second season of Marin, coming up in May. You could have your own line of Morgan David wine. I could tell you right there. <laughs> Morgan Stanley wine. Morgan Stanley, yeah, with your Catskills comedian shtick. Hey guys, brilliant stuff. Really appreciate it. Obviously, we just touched the service, and and and, and thank you, thank you to both of you. Thank you, Drew. Great, great job, Greg. Yeah, great, great job, Greg. Go away. Go have your Love coffee. You, man. Love All you right. guys. Be good. All right. See you. Bye bye. All right, folks, that is the end of that segment. Very short break. When we come back, it's our Hollywood correspondent, Carrie Pomeroli, comedian, actress, author, fantastic young lady. We're going to play a clip here just before we go out to commercial break and then come back with Carrie Pomeroli. Here is one of my favorite segments, my favorite speeches. This is the Ten Commandments speech that Ricky Gervais gave in the uh, movie called The uh, uh, Invention of Lying, Invention, or something like that. Basically, it's Ricky Gervais' atheist uh, movie, you know, sort of poking fun at uh, at religion. And uh, so he kind of comes out like, uh, remember Mel Brooks, he came out with, uh, here, I have these 15 commandments, uh, uh, and he drops the one tablet, these 10, 10 commandments. So he comes out with these two pizza boxes with the 10 commandments written on the back of two Pizza Hut pizza boxes, and the, the crowd is gathered in front of them. Have a little listen to this and see if you're uh, as cynical as I am. Number one, there is a man in the sky who controls everything. Number two. Whoa, 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 whoa. What does he look like? Um, tall, big hands, good making stuff, good head of hair. What ethnicity is he? Uh, he's a new type of ethnicities. He's a mixture of all our ethnicities. Does he live in the clouds? No. Can we see him? No. It, it's, it lives higher than the clouds, too high to see him. So he lives in space? Not that high. So then the thermosphere? Sorry, people. I've got a lot to get through here. Can we just... Man lives in the sky. You can't see him. He controls everything. 
Cool? Good. Number two. When you die, you don't disappear into an eternity of nothingness. Instead, you go to a really great place. Number three. In that place, everyone will get a mansion. What kind of mansion? The best mansion you could think of. Ah, I was thinking of a horrible mansion. What? No, it's the best mansion you could ever think of. Not the one you're thinking of right now, but ever. Whatever, whatever the best mansion is you'd like, that's the one you're going to get. <clears throat> Number four. When you die, all the people you love will be there. Will they have their own mansions? Yeah, yeah, of course. Everyone gets a mansion. What if I want them to live in my mansion? Well, that's fine. They leave their mansion. They come and live with you, won't they? What happens to their mansion? I don't know. It goes back on the market. Can we? Number five. <sighs> When you die, there will be free ice cream for everyone, all day and all night. Whatever flavors you can think of. Even bad flavors? Why would you think of bad flavors? He just said every flavor I could think of. Oh no! I just thought of vanilla and skunks. Well, don't eat that then. I just thought the chocolate sauce was diarrhea. Well, don't put that on the ice cream then. What is the matter with you people? Can we, please, number six? If you do bad things, you won't get to go to this great place when you die. Where will you go? A, a, a terrible place, the worst place imaginable. What constitutes a bad thing? Uh, awful crimes, rape, murder, things like that. Is punching someone bad? Yes. What if they're trying to hurt you? Well, then it's fine. Is cursing bad? No. What about being late for work? No, that's fine. I mean, it, you might lose your job if the boss doesn't like it, but it won't affect what happens to you after you die. What about if you forget to feed your dog? Well, then if you forget, I mean, it's bad for the dog. If the dog dies, it's bad, but it's not. I mean, don't. Do it on purpose. Don't buy a dog just to starve it for a laugh. But can we? If I do just one bad thing, do I go to that bad place? No. You get three chances. Three bad things, and you're out. Like baseball. <laughs> so what? So anything else? Yeah. Oh, please, can we just move on? No. Hey, folks, I want to tell you about the Drew Marshall Show 1250 special. You ready for this? For 1250, that's right, only $12.50, we'll mention your organization's name, website, and a brief description. Did you catch that? During each show, we'll read out your organization's name, website, and a brief description for only $12.50. Now, obviously, there's no point in doing that only once during a four hour show, so we'll read your advertisement four times per show for an entire month, and each time we do it, it'll only cost you $12.50. It's kind of like putting an advertisement up on every church bulletin in the GTA, except you don't have to get permission from that grumpy old lady at the front desk. Now look, because there are limited spots available for our 1250 special, why don't you call us right now, toll free on 877-JOY-1250. Now uh, sure, we're right in the middle of things here in the show, but if you call us right now, toll free on 877-JOY-1250, we'll take your name and number and call you back on Monday to sign up for the Drew Marshall Show 1250 special. This is nuts. Are you sure we want to do this? How am I supposed to make any money?